Thanks, Jack. <clears throat> what kind of person do you think God wants to be friends with? Uh, who, who are the people who God wants a relationship with? Or, or to make it more personal, how does God feel about you right now? What is his attitude to you personally? After what you've got up to this weekend, after what you've been like this week, what does God, the holy God, think about you this morning? How you answer those questions will depend on who you think God is and what he's like. I reckon naturally we all imagine God to be a bit like a school principal, you know, watching our lives, seeing our mistakes, a stern look on his face, constantly disappointed in our performance. But the Bible says God is not like that at all. We know who God is supremely through his son, the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus reveals God clearly and completely. If we want to know what God is like, we need to look at Jesus. And what we see in Jesus is a God of amazing grace. Yes, he's holy, but he's also gracious. Grace means kindness to the unworthy. Grace means undeserved favor. Grace is love for the unlovely. And in Luke chapter 19, we, we get to see a snapshot of what this grace looks like. It's the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Now, I don't know whether you went to Sunday school as a kid. If you did, maybe you learnt the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. But this isn't really the story of Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus. This is the story of Jesus wanting to see Zacchaeus. Look at verses 9 and 10, if you've got the passage open. Here's what we're meant to take away from this story. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what this story is about. It's a story of salvation. It's the story of the day when Zacchaeus the sinner encountered the amazing grace of God. We're going to work our way through the story. In verses 1 and 2, we meet the two main characters. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, in that brief introduction to Zacchaeus, just a few words, Luke tells us quite a lot about him. Uh, the name Zacchaeus actually means pure or innocent, but Zacchaeus was anything but... You know, tax collectors today are not particularly popular, are they? Because they take your money. In Jesus' day, tax collectors were absolutely hated. They were seen as traitors and cheats. Traitors because they were working on behalf of the, the Romans, the occupying force, taking money from their own countrymen. And cheats because they were notorious for taxing too highly, adding an, an extra cut to the taxes to line their own pockets. And Zacchaeus, we're told, is a chief tax collector. 
In other words, he doesn't have these dodgy practices imposed upon him from above. He's the boss man. He's the most corrupt of all. Zacchaeus is also rich, we're told. And if we've been reading through Luke's gospel to this point, we'd have loud warning bells ringing in our ears. Back in chapter 6, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. And just in the previous chapter, 18, Jesus said, It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In this brief introduction to Zacchaeus, Luke is painting the picture of someone who everyone would assume has completely disqualified himself from friendship with God. He's a Jew who's effectively disowned his upbringing, betrayed his people, and is living for self. Greedy, corrupt, a traitor, and a cheat. But word about Jesus reaches Zacchaeus, and he's intrigued. Verse 3 He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Can you picture this probably feared, wealthy, powerful man in the city, hated, hitching up his robes and running down the roads, and then shinning up the uh, the sycamore tree like a child's? It actually suggests that Zacchaeus' interest in Jesus was more than passing curiosity. You know, he's risking ridicule, really, to act in this way. That's striking. But the center of this story, as I said, is not about Zacchaeus seeking Jesus. The center of the story is about Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. Verse 5 tells us, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus. And in that split second before Jesus went on, you can imagine what might have been going through the minds of the people in the crowd. Ha! Zacchaeus has been found out. Jesus is going to call him out for all his corrupt ways. And Zacchaeus himself, you can imagine, fear that he's about to be exposed. But Jesus doesn't curse him, does he? Jesus doesn't condemn him. Oh, he knows him. He knows him by name. He knows all about him, but he doesn't expose his corrupt activity. What does he say? Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, to stay at someone's home was an act of acceptance. Jesus is saying very clearly and publicly that he wants a relationship with Zacchaeus. It's an offer of friendship. And just think how incredible that is, given who Zacchaeus is, given who Jesus is. This is the living God, God in human flesh, inviting himself into Zacchaeus the sinner's life. This is the living God. He's saying to Zacchaeus, I know you, and I love you, and I want a relationship with you. Zacchaeus can't believe it. We're told, verse 6, he came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. 
Friends, this is what God is like. This is the God revealed in Jesus, a God who shows incredible kindness to the most unworthy of people, a God of grace. But we don't like grace, by and large. We say we like grace, but when we see people getting better than they deserve, well, we find it offensive, don't we? That's what the people in the crowd are like, verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. This is the constant refrain that we've seen throughout Luke's gospel. Jesus proves himself again and again that, that he is utterly for the lost. He is for the outcast. He is for the sinner. And how do the respectable religious establishment respond? They mutter and they grumble and they complain. Jesus' actions raise questions about his own character. How can Jesus be holy? How can he be just and accept a person like Zacchaeus? This story doesn't really give the answer, but if we've been reading through Luke to this point, we'd know that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and we'd know that he's predicted three times that in Jerusalem he's going to be handed over to the Gentiles, and he'll be insulted and he'll be flogged, and he'll be killed. You see, over this whole story with Zacchaeus lies the shadow of the cross. Jesus can accept Zacchaeus because Jesus is going to die for Zacchaeus. Jesus can forgive Zacchaeus because he knows in a few weeks' time he will be hanging on a cross, bearing Zacchaeus' sins, dying in his place. God's grace comes to us utterly free, but it costs Jesus his life. And when you grasp grace, it transforms your life. That's what happens to Zacchaeus, isn't it? Look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Think about when Zacchaeus says this. He's already back at his house. It's probably after he's shared the evening meal with Jesus. Jesus has already shown him amazing grace. Jesus has already come into his life. What he says in verse 8 is a response. I mean, can you imagine it? Can you imagine it the other way round? Can you imagine the story that goes like this? Jesus was walking through Jericho and he saw Zacchaeus in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, I've heard terrible reports about you. But if you give away half your possessions to the poor, if you pay back what you've stolen, well, then I'll consider coming to your home for dinner. Can you imagine that story? You probably can. But that's not the gospel story. That's not how salvation works. The God revealed in Jesus is not waiting for us to clean up our act so that he can reward us with blessing. No, the God revealed in Jesus is a God of grace who meets us in our sin and shame and loves us anyway. Salvation comes first. Transformation of life follows. That's how the gospel works. And it's how people work, isn't it? If you know that you are unconditionally loved and accepted, 
you respond. And you respond like Zacchaeus, freely and joyfully. Do you see him in verse 8? He's like a little kid, isn't he? Look, Lord. He's like a, a child asking his dad to come and look at something that he's made. Look, Lord. It's full of joy. It's not a chore for him to do this. He's not doing it out of duty. He's not doing it motivated by fear of what will happen to him if he doesn't. It's joyful and it's beautiful. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. He goes way beyond the legal requirements. You know, the Old Testament law commanded a tithe of 10%. Zacchaeus says he's going to give 50%. The Old Testament law said if anything had been stolen, then you needed to pay back the amount plus 20%. Zacchaeus says he's going to pay back 400% what was taken. He isn't just keeping the law, he's responding to grace. This greedy man who's extracted money by extortion now freely, joyfully gives away his wealth and possessions. That's what grace does when it gets a grip on a person's life. Zacchaeus has been transformed by Jesus' love and grace. And when Jesus sees it, when he sees this joyful response, he knows that salvation has come. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Notice how Jesus defines salvation for us. Salvation comes to this house when Jesus comes to this house. Salvation is relationship with Jesus. Salvation is eating with Jesus, enjoying fellowship with Jesus. And relationship with Jesus is what defines who the sons of Abraham are, who the true people of God are. You know, if you want in on the people of God, it's not about your genetics and it's not about your moral behavior. It's about a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. That's the salvation that Jesus came to offer. It's the salvation he died to secure. And everyone is welcome. Jesus is, as verse 10 says, the son of man who came to seek and to save what was lost. He's the son of man who came from heaven to earth to seek us out. The son of man who pursues us all the way to the cross where he takes on himself all of our lostness and sin and dies to put the sorry mess to death. Jesus is the one who rises again and says, come on in. Come in. Come one, come all. Come you today in all your sin and self-righteousness and enjoy salvation. Enjoy the welcome of the Father. Enjoy the relationship that you were made for. So how does God feel about you this morning? You in all your sins, you in all your suffering, you in all your apathy and dryness and indifference. Let me tell you, the one who welcomed Zacchaeus to come and eat with him welcomes you today. In Romans 10, God says, 
all day long, I hold out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. That is God's posture. Even as he's rejected, he's holding out his hands all day. That's his posture to the world, and it's his posture to you and me. He lives to seek and to save the lost. So let me finish with three quick questions. Is Jesus calling your name today? Do you need to hear today that Jesus knows you? He knows the secrets of your heart. And he accepts you as you are right now. You don't have to clean your act up before Jesus will be your friend. You just have to acknowledge that you need his help. We're all lost in our own way, but Jesus came for the lost. Will you come to Jesus today and receive his offer of friendship? Secondly, do we believe that Jesus came to save, that, he, that Jesus can save anyone? Are there people that we think are a lost cause? People beyond God's grace, too hardened, too sinful. What does this story tell us? And what does that mean for our prayers and our witness? And thirdly, what do you think Barney's should look like as a church that follows this Jesus? This Jesus who came to seek and save the lost. How can we be a church in which the lost are welcome in which the suffering and the sinful know that they can come and it's okay to not be okay. How can we be a church filled with grace? I wonder if it begins with us, knowing that we don't have to pretend that we can be honest with each other about our struggles and failures. And we can keep encouraging each other to look to Jesus, the God of grace, who accepts us as we are and is transforming us to the people we're called to be. Let me lead us in prayer. And we'll take a moment in quiet just to reflect in our own hearts and respond. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, your son, who reveals your heart, who reveals what you are truly like. Please correct our image of you, correct our understanding of you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for all that it uh, teaches us about who you are. And we pray that you'd help us and you'd open our hearts to know that you are the God of grace the God who holds out his arms to us all day long, the God who offers 
friendship and welcome and acceptance to everyone. Thank you that Jesus came to seek and save the lost and that that took him to the cross. Help us to grasp this grace more deeply and to allow it to transform us more and more. In Christ's name, amen.